0: Just because you have Jesus as your Savior does not mean that He automatically becomes your Shepherd. And now for Loved by the Good Shepherd. Welcome to Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. So today my message is coming out of Matthew chapter 9. The main two verses will be verse 35 and 36, but before we get there, in Matthew chapter 9 we meet Jesus who has just done all these different miracles. He's healed a paralyzed man, he's called Matthew to follow him into the unknown because The disciples had no idea what they were signing up for when they said yes to following Jesus. He just raised a girl from the dead. He just healed a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. He was healing the blind and the mute. He was casting out demons. And so we get in Matthew chapter 9 to verse 35. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so, like I said, in Jesus' life, for the first 30 years, he was in training, right? He was a carpenter, he was working with his father. And then, when he begins his ministry, he begins the healing and he begins the miracles. And he is just met with person after person who is in such great need physically, but not just physically, also internally, also emotionally, also spiritually. And so Jesus, when he's meeting this crowd, he is meeting this crowd of people who are hurting. And his response is that he has compassion. And so a lot of the miracles that Jesus did, he was doing it to meet a physical need, but that meeting that physical need was pointing them to the fact that he was the only one who could meet the spiritual need, which was much deeper than the physical need. The physical need is outward, the physical need is in your body, the physical need, you know it, people see it, you see it, you feel it, but the spiritual need is so much deeper and people can't really see that You may not even recognize if you have that spiritual need, but Jesus had compassion and he was having that compassion because he felt not just the physical need, but he could also feel and sense the spiritual need um, that the people had. And so because Jesus is God and because we know that God is love, Jesus was putting his love on display. He was having compassion, which is love in action. So he wasn't just feeling so deeply the need of the people, but he was choosing to do something about that need. He was responding in compassion to the need that the people had. He cared so deeply that it caused him to act. It caused him to move. Um, Again, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so not only did Jesus have compassion because of their physical ailments, because of them being blind and them being lame and not being able to hear, but because of the condition of their heart. It says that he saw the people and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And if you think about the purpose and the job of a shepherd, a shepherd does not only bring physical healing to its sheep, but the shepherd is there to care for the sheep, to provide for the sheep, to comfort the sheep, to bring the sheep into safety, to carry the sheep, to make sure that the sheep are fed, and to even correct and to discipline the sheep. Because if you know anything about sheep, they are not the smartest animal and oftentimes can wander along the wrong track and get off track. But the shepherd is there to use their rod and their staff to bring the sheep back, to make sure that they're not going down the road that they're not supposed to be going on, to make sure that they're not going down a road that will lead them to getting hurt, to lead them to danger. And so the people that Jesus is seeing in this crowd, these are sheep And they're sheep without a shepherd because of the condition of their heart. So them not having a shepherd is showing that they're hurting physically. And you're seeing that in the outward appearance, but it's also them hurting internally and it's hurting in their hearts. Because they're not being loved and they're not being taken care of. And they don't have somebody guiding them, leading them on the right path. They don't have somebody that is bringing that correction and that discipline that hurts so bad, but is so good and so needed and so necessary. And so that the reason that this just impacts Jesus so much that he is filled with compassion for these people that are like sheep without a shepherd is because he is the good shepherd and he longs to be their good shepherd the same way that he longs to be our good shepherd. And so God is oftentimes referred to as the shepherd and we are the sheep. And so in Psalms 23, everybody knows this, right? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Psalms 100 verse three, it says, know that the Lord is God, it is he who has made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And so God is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. And here Jesus is faced with a crowd of people who are like sheep without a shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus even takes it a step further and and distinguishes himself from any other kind of shepherd by making it known that he is a good shepherd. He's not just any shepherd. He is a good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. So he cares for his sheep and he loves his sheep and his compassion is him putting his love in action to lay down and do something about the fact that these people are like sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus is healing these people, when he's doing these miracles, he's not doing it because of anything that they've done, because they've worked hard enough and they earned the ability to have a shepherd finally, but he's doing it because of his compassion, because of his love, because he is the good shepherd and he wants to show that love and lay down himself for them, for his people. And so as we walk through this tonight, I'm going to be talking about four different types of people that Jesus longs to be the shepherd for. And so the first type of person that Jesus longs to be the shepherd for is the person who is wretched, Okay, so the word wretched means a person who is in a very unhappy or unfortunate state. These are people who know that they need saving. In Matthew chapter 9, in the Gospels, the people that are crying out for Jesus to help them, to heal them, they are in a wretched state. They know they need saving. They know they need somebody to do something about their situation that they cannot do themselves. They are having a knowledge of their need. They are desperate for Jesus. They are desperate for this man who can change their life. And truly, every single one of us, before we come to know Jesus as our Savior, we are all in this wretched state, but we don't always know it. We're not always aware of the state of our hearts before Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit has to open our eyes and open our hearts and reveal to us our great and desperate need for a savior. Matthew chapter five, verse three says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the poor in spirit are the ones who are blessed not because they're poor in spirit, but because them being poor in spirit points them to their need of Jesus. It points them to their need of a savior. It points them to their need of a king. It points them to their need of a shepherd. So praise the Lord for the times that we are poor in spirit because we know that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. And we have to look outside of ourselves to find somebody to bring us hope, to find somebody to provide, to find somebody to be a deliverer. And that person is Jesus. The poor in spirit are blessed because it puts them in a need for Jesus. And it opens our eyes and our hearts so that we can see that we need Jesus. We need a savior. And they are blessed. And Jesus brings them not just into the kingdom of heaven, but Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to them because he is the king of heaven. And he has come to make all things new and to heal the brokenhearted. And so the second type of person that Jesus longs to be a shepherd for are the religious or the self-righteous. And so all throughout the gospels, we see Jesus healing and doing miracles and people crying out to Jesus and desiring Jesus and wanting him. And then you have this other set of people who are very against Jesus because he is claiming to be the Son of God, and they cannot believe that this man who they know is joseph 's son, who is this carpenter boy claiming to be the Son of God, and so because of that, they are very much against Jesus because they 're following all the rules and doing everything right, and they 're keeping the Sabbath day meanwhile Jesus is healing on the Sabbath day, and that just can 't be right and so They were mad about that, but they were also mad that Jesus would hang out with those who were wretched. He would hang out with the people who should be cast out, who should be left alone to beg on the side of the road. But even though they hated Jesus, Jesus still loved them. And Jesus still longed to be their shepherd. And so one of the things about Jesus is that when he would encounter these Pharisees, he would call them out on what they were saying, and he would point them to the fact that you're not keeping the law either, that you're also not perfect, that you're also not doing all these things that you're pointing fingers for. You're not doing them either. When they brought Jesus, the woman who was caught in the act of committing adultery, Jesus said, let the man without sin cast the first stone. And they all had to drop their stones and leave. (laughs) Because they knew that though they were self-righteous, they were not righteous. And so Jesus is the only righteous one who came to be the shepherd even for those who hated him. Those who are religious and those who are self-righteous. And another type of religious person that we see today is somebody who thinks that they can earn their way to God. Who can work hard and be good enough and do all the right things. And then they'll be able to get to heaven because they haven't messed up. But the thing is that none of us are good. In Romans, it says that there is no one righteous, not even one in the whole world. So if none of us are righteous and none of us can work our way to God, then that can't be the answer. We have God in heaven, and we think we can work our way to him by climbing up this ladder. But the truth is that Jesus came to be that ladder for us in Genesis chapter 28 verse 12, we see Jacob and he has this dream. And it says that there's a ladder set up on earth and the top of it reached heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So the angels of God were going between earth and heaven on this ladder. Yet in John Chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus says, I tell you, you see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, where we see that there is no more a ladder going between heaven and earth. It is now in Jesus who is the gateway, who is the bridge, who is taking us from heaven to earth. So we're not climbing the ladder to get to him. He came down to us. He is the only way that we'll be able to reach God. He is the only reason that any of us are good. Because he took our sin and he clothed us with his righteousness. And so Jesus desires to make this reality known to those who are religious and self-righteous, thinking that they have to earn and they have to carry this burden of being good enough for him. He wants us to know the truth that we are not good enough and we will never be good enough. He alone is good and he alone is the good shepherd. And even the religious and the self-righteous can come to him to allow him to be their shepherd and be everything that they need. The third type of person that Jesus longs to shepherd are the redeemed. Those people who have been saved by Jesus, the ones who know that they have once been wretched, but they have been bought with a price, and that they have been set free from the chains of sin and death, and that have been brought into a new life with Jesus. But the thing is, just because you have Jesus as your Savior does not mean that he automatically becomes your shepherd. Jesus desires to be both. He wants to be your Savior and your shepherd. When we have Jesus as our Savior, our sins are forgiven, we are washed clean, we are gifted with eternal life. But when Jesus is our shepherd, we lay down our lives today and we pick up our cross and we follow him. We trust Him wherever He leads us. We trust that He will take care of us. We trust that His way is better and we will go with Him wherever He is taking us. When we look at Psalm 23, we see the Lord is our shepherd. So as those who are redeemed, we have to ask ourselves, are we allowing the Lord to be our shepherd? Are we allowing Him to be the one that is in charge? Are we trusting that he will provide when he says that we lack nothing? Are we trusting that he is the one who gives us rest when it says that he will make us lie down in the green pastures? Are we trusting that he is the one who provides us with peace? Are we trusting that he is the one who refreshes us when it says that he leads us beside still waters and he refreshes our souls? Are we giving that to him or are we searching elsewhere to find it, trying to be our own shepherd? A sheep cannot be its own shepherd. When it says that he guides us along the right path, are we trusting him to guide us or are we trying to go our own way? When it says that he's guiding us for his name's sake, are we doing things for his glory? Are we doing things for ours? When it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are we trusting that we will walk through it with him or are we trying to get through it on our own? When it says that we will fear no evil knowing that he is with us, are we walking confidently knowing that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us? When it says that it is his rod and his staff that will comfort us, are we allowing him to be the God that he says that he is? that he would fight our battles for us, that he would bring us comfort, that he would even correct us and straighten us and get us back on the right path? Are we submitting to the work that he is doing in our lives and in our hearts, even when it hurts, when he asks us to let something go or to give something up? Are we trusting that he is good, that he is the good shepherd? When it says that he will prepare a table before us, are we trusting him to fill us Even in the presence of our enemies, are we trusting that he has the victory, that we can leave vengeance to the Lord and not try to take it in our own hands? Are we trusting that he anoints our head with oil, that he has gone before us, that he has covered us, that he has chosen us, that he has given us his name? Are we trusting that our cup truly overflows with him, that he supplies us with more than enough? Are we trusting that to come from him or are we trying to make ends meet on our own? When it says that surely His goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life, are we trusting that His goodness and His love have never left us no matter what life looks like? Are we trusting that His love and His goodness are still following us no matter where we find ourselves? When it says that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, do we trust that our position with Him is eternal, that it is unchanging, that we didn't save ourselves so therefore we cannot lose our salvation? Because of something that we did. It came from him. And he won't change his mind about us. Are we trusting that? So he invites us to go from having him just as our savior to our shepherd. He wants to shepherd our hearts. And the fourth group of people that Jesus longs to be the shepherd for are the rebellious. So this is somebody that can be rebelling against God before they've met God, or God is still pursuing their hearts and they're continuing to live in rebellion, or even after they have chosen to trust in Jesus as their savior. And they said, this is harder than I thought it was, so I'm leaving. And so Jesus desires to even be the shepherd for the rebellious. When we look in Luke chapter 15, we read stories about a lost sheep and about a rebellious son. The sheep, we don't know what happened with that sheep. Like I said, sheep are not the smartest animals. So maybe it got lost accidentally. Maybe it was trying to find the right way and it just went off the wrong way. But what we do know is that in the story of the prodigal son, the son purposefully chose to rebel and go its own way and do what he thought was best and waste all the money and end up in a worse position than a beggar. Either way, the sheep and the rebellious son are both in a dangerous situation because they are without their father, without their shepherd to take care of them. But what happened is that both the shepherd and the father came looking for them, found them, and then celebrated upon their return. And what happens with Jesus is that when he finally captures the rebellious heart, He is not scolding and punishing you and bringing you to a place of feeling condemnation and shame. He is celebrating your return back unto him because he has longed to be your shepherd this entire time. And he desires for you to come back and to be under his care because under his care is the safest place we could find ourselves. So he desires to be the shepherd for the wretched, for the religious and the self-righteous, for the redeemed and for the rebellious. And so just because Jesus longs to be our shepherd doesn't mean that it automatically happens. Just because you long for something doesn't mean it automatically you get what you're longing for. So here's how we let Jesus shepherd us. So wherever you found yourself in those four categories, this is what we do. These are five steps to... How we let Jesus be our shepherd. The first thing is to recognize our need for him. To recognize that we need a shepherd. To recognize that we cannot shepherd ourselves as sheep. To recognize that this is hard, but the Holy Spirit is with us. The second thing is to repent for our sin. To repent of wrongdoing. To return to him. To turn away from what we once were finding our pleasure in and turn to him. The third is to receive his forgiveness. To realize that he is not upset with you. He is not mad. He wants you to return and receive him. The fourth one is to rest in his care, knowing that he is a good shepherd who longs to love and care for his sheep. And the fifth one is to remember the gospel. Remember his work on the cross. Remember what he did, knowing that what he did cannot change, and so therefore how he feels about you will never change. To remember his compassion. That was his love and action on the cross, his display of love where he didn't just look at us in our sin and the state of our hearts and feel bad, but he chose to do something about it. He himself never sinned, but he took on our sin. Therefore, he knows the weight of it. He knows how it feels. He is with us and he chose to die for us so that we might live with him. And so now when we allow Jesus to shepherd our hearts and we return to him and let him be the shepherd. He desires for us to go and share this with others and help other people have Jesus as their shepherd as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it tells us that once we are redeemed, we are brought into this ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people back into a restored relationship with God. So we get to share the gospel with others in hopes that they would also be brought back to God and that they would also be shepherded by their savior who longs to shepherd them. Jesus as the good shepherd does not just heal us physically, but he heals us spiritually and he brings restoration back to our relationship with God and to one another. He brings vertical reconciliation in order to bring horizontal reconciliation. He brings reconciliation between us and God, us and our Father, so that he can bring reconciliation between us and the people around us. And we get to invite people into this relationship with God. We are a part of the ministry of reconciliation. So when Jesus is our shepherd, we are no longer belonging to ourselves. We belong to him, and we are part of his ministry and what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is shepherd the people around us. And so in John chapter 10 verses 14 to 16, Jesus is explaining that he is the good shepherd and that he knows his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And so Jesus even desires to be the shepherd for those who do not yet know him, those who have never heard his name, those who don't have his word, don't have access to it. He invites us to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation so we can go out and share this gospel, share this good news with people all over the world so that they would know that they have not just a savior, but a shepherd who cares for them and loves them and is shepherding them every single day. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, it says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So my prayer is that we would ask the Lord to soften our hearts because the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So may the Lord work in our hearts, that we would go out and be the workers that are sent into his harvest to bring his sheep into his sheep pen so that he can be their shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for being a good shepherd. Thank you so much, Lord, that you came to redeem us, to save us, Lord, to restore us unto you, God. And God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your great love. I thank you so much, God, that we get to be recipients of it and we get to share it with the world around us, Lord. I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, Jesus, that when we see people around us, Lord, that we would remember that we were once where they were. We were once wretched and lost, without a shepherd, without a savior, Jesus. And we get to share your good news and your good gospel, Lord, to the people around us, Lord. Let us be bold and sharing your love. Let us be truthful, God. And let us have grace, Jesus, the same one that you've poured out your grace upon us time and time again, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for who you are. We praise you, Lord. In your name, Jesus, I pray, amen. Thank you for joining, brothers of the word, because, brother, you need the word. <laughs> You are listening to Brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Loved by the Good Shepherd, by E. Leisha Bronner. This message is number 6642. That's 6642. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 6642 to a friend, go to Brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's I want to give.com. Listen to brothers of the word.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,